Good morning, Meadows. It's always an honor and privilege to preach the word. Let me pray. Glorious God, it is the flame of our life to worship you, the crown and glory of our soul to adore you, heavenly pleasure to approach you. Give us power by your Spirit to help us worship now, that we may forget the world, be brought into fullness of life, be refreshed, comforted, and blessed. Give us knowledge of your goodness, that we might not be overawed by your greatness. Give us Jesus, Son of Man, Son of God, that we might not be terrified, but be drawn near with love, with holy boldness. For he is our mediator, brother, interpreter, branch, daysman, lamb. Him we glorify, and him we aim set on high. Crowns to give we have none, but what we have given we return, content to feel that everything is ours when it is yours, and the more fully ours when we have yielded over to you. Let us live holy to our Savior, free from distraction, from care, from hindrance to the pursuit of the narrow way. We are pardoned through the blood of Jesus. Give us a new sense of it. Continue to pardon us by it. May we come every day to the fountain and every day be washed anew that we worship you always in truth and spirit. Amen. We'll continue going through Matthew this morning and we are in the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the things that I've noticed, and I hope you notice as well, is Jesus likes to use different patterns. So in chapter 5, Jesus talks on how your righteousness must surpass those of the Pharisees to inherit the kingdom of God. And he goes into several, two triads explaining what he means, and in those he uses a pattern. You've heard it said, but I tell you. And now we enter into chapter 6, and we have another pattern that has emerged. And we see in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, he sets all of this up with, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And then he goes into several illustrations. First, we've looked at giving. Last week, we looked at prayer. And this week, we'll look at fasting. And as we've read through these passages, some patterns may emerge. To summarize, we see that Jesus first starts with a hypocritical prohibition by first addressing the occasion. In each of these illustrations, he starts off, whenever you dot, 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 whenever you give, whenever you pray, whenever you fast. Next, he gives the activity. Do not dot, dot, dot. We'll look that in a little bit. Then he addresses the motivation, which is always to be seen by others. And then finally, he closes with a solemn affirmation, for they have their reward. Now, I'm thankful he just doesn't stop there, but he continues then into 
the righteous command, what it means not to pursue your own righteousness, but His righteousness. And again, we have the occasion, but when you, dot, 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 when you give, when you fast, when you pray, then He states the command, a secret activity. And then He goes into the motivation for the command, to be seen only by your Father, then closes with an affirmation that your Father will reward you. So this is a very familiar pattern that we have seen over and over again, and we will see it in our text this morning on how to fast. So we're going to be reading through this text together, making some observation and application along the way. So if you would join me in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 16. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 16. He starts this way, whenever you fast, and here's the occasion, that first part of that pattern, addressing this is the topic that we'll be looking at, is fasting. Now I understand that Maybe today we don't talk a whole lot about fasting. But in this time, this would be a common practice. Not just for Jews, but other religions and cults as well. And what Jesus is doing, he's not condoning the action of fasting, but we'll see in a little bit he actually expects us that at some point we will be fasting. But he condones the actions and the heart posture that is taking place. So for a Jew, fasting would be a regular practice. They would actually probably fast about twice a week on the second and fifth day of the week. So it was part of their culture, part of who they were. So let's talk a little bit about fasting. What is fasting? In the Greek, it's restraining yourself from food. Now, we're not talking about intermediate fasting, the latest dietary trend to lose weight, but we are talking about a spiritual discipline here, spiritually disciplined of fasting. So we don't fast just for the sake of fasting, but we fast in order to seek the Lord and His will. So fasting always is connected with prayer. Fasting is always connected. Connect with prayer. We can pray any time, and we should be praying without ceasing, but we cannot fast without praying. And we see all through Scripture that we fast in different seasons of life. We fast for different reasons. And so maybe today you're like David who fasted during times of sorrow. After he lost his child or when he heard the news of Abner dying. So maybe you are here this morning in a season of sorrow, and God wants to use fasting to draw you close to Him so that you can rely upon Him. Maybe you're like the citizens of Nineveh. After hearing the word of the Lord, they fasted because they were convicted of their wicked and sinful ways. So maybe this morning God is going to convict you with the word And He is inviting you to fast, to draw near to Him, to seek His forgiveness and His mercy. Or maybe you're like the early church who fasted to seek God 
for a mighty work to be done. Maybe He's laying on your heart to see a revival here in the city. Or maybe it's for a neighbor or co-worker to come to a saving faith. Or maybe as we're in midst of transition, we're seeking and fasting as we pray and seek for a new pastor. There's different seasons of life, different reasons why we fast, but it's always connected to prayer. It's always connected to seeking and depending on the Lord. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that fasting is Christian mysticism. We're not fasting to bring a special revelation or vision or insight. But we fast to commune with the Lord to seek the Lord, to be assured of our forgiveness and our protection. So when we fast, we acknowledge that He is God, that we are dependent upon Him and His Word. And I believe that maybe some here will be fasting as we search for a new pastor. I want to make a note that I believe right here at Meadows in this season, we are in a very spiritually healthy church. I hear stories week in and week out of ways God is working in and through our congregation. And I don't think we've ever been in our history at Meadows been in a season quite like this. And it's special. But I want to also note that we can start to grow lazy. We can stop seeking the Lord. We could grow lazy in our zeal for Him. And so even in this transition, I want to urge us that may we not grow lazy in seeking Him, but may we continue to seek Him. And that may be through fasting through this transition. And I want you to know, as elders, we have been fasting. And all along the way, throughout this entire process, we've been fasting and soaking everything in prayer and study of the Word, seeking Him. So I want you to invite you, along with us as elders, to also fast and seek the Lord. What could this look like? It could look like from restraining from food for a day or so. And instead of eating meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or your snacks, you set that time aside to intentionally seek the Lord through prayer and reading of His Word. Maybe it's fasting from TV, and instead of that time you would spend watching your favorite Netflix show or movie, you spend that time seeking the Lord in prayer and in the Word. So Meadows, I pray that we won't grow lazy in this time of spiritual healthiness, but we will continue to seek Him. And may we develop a spiritual discipline of fasting. Now with that, let's continue in our text. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. So we have another part of this pattern. 
Again, this word hypocrites has appeared several times already that we've looked at, meaning an actor, someone who puts on a mask and acts. This is very interesting because what we will see in just a little bit, Jesus will connect this to what he says. Don't be like the hypocrites. Why? For they disfigure their face so that their fasting is obvious to people. This word disfigure in the Greek, it's to cause something to be unrecognizable through change in appearance. Let me say this one more time. To cause something to be unrecognizable through change in appearance. See the connection? What do hypocrites do? They change their appearance to acquire applause from an audience. I don't think this is a coincidence of what Jesus is saying. He's relating these two words. And what Jesus is emphasizing is this, that they, these hypocrites, are displaying their inward condition on the outside. They're displaying their inward condition on the outside. They are truly actors. They are disfiguring their faces to make them look like something while they are not. They are actors who put on a mask and make them look like something for a pause of an audience. So what's, what's in it for them? What's in it for these hypocrites? Well, Jesus says, truly I tell you, they have their reward. Keep this in mind because we're going to touch base on this in just a few minutes. But notice who is giving their reward. It's a crowd. It's strangers. It's impersonal. Keep this in mind because we will come back to this idea of reward in just a little bit. Let's keep going. Now we... Go into the second part of this pattern in verse 17. But when you fast, so we're still on fasting, and he's going to now have the command of righteousness. What does it look like to pursue his righteousness as we fast? He says, but when you fast, this is what you ought to do. Put oil on your head and wash your face. What is the significance of putting oil on one's head? Well, I think it's twofold. In the Old Testament, we see that this is a sign and symbolizes of rejoicing, something that we typically don't do while fasting. And we see this in Psalms 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And in Psalm 45, 7, he writes this. Your, you, your love You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you more than your companions with the oil. So it symbolizes rejoicing, celebration. But also, oil, putting oil on one's head, was part of daily culture. This is how they would wash themselves. It's interesting, one commentator wrote this, oil was also part of the first century Jewish daily routine, except when fasting. Not to anoint oneself would advertise one's self-denial to a human audience. 
So we see the contrast already between those who pursue his righteousness and those who practice their own righteousness. So when you fast, don't make it obvious. Don't disfigure your face. Don't go around saying how hungry you are or how you're sacrificing. Go throughout your normal routine. Make it so that it's not obvious to the crowds. But Jesus keeps going. We continue the pattern. He says in verse 18, so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. This is interesting. There's several things that we want to note here. Heavenly Father who is in secret. We're not called to fast to impress others. We're not called to fast to even impress God. We are called when we fast and we practice the discipline of fasting. We do it to seek Him through prayer and through His Word. So with this, Jesus continues, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. First, your Father who is in secret I'm sorry, and your father who sees. There's some big significance here. This idea, blepo is the Greek word. Your father who is seeing you. How often do we desire recognition from someone? But what Jesus is saying is, God sees you. And this is something he has said all throughout the illustrations. And so the principle here is when we pursue his righteousness, we do so in secret, knowing that our Heavenly Father will see us. So what does this look like in application for today? Maybe you're a mom, stay-at-home mom, raising kids, being faithful, and you are discipling your kids in the way they should go. You're praying with them. You're speaking Scripture to them. Maybe it goes unnoticed by anyone else, but know that God, your Heavenly Father, sees you. Maybe you're serving here in our church, and it seems like no one recognizes what you do. But know that your Father sees you. Maybe you've been ministering to your neighbors or your coworkers for years now. It seems like no one recognizes you. Know that your Heavenly Father sees you. He just doesn't see you, but He knows you. In A.W. Pink's book on Attributes of God, one of the sections is the good giver. We see in our text that your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. We know in Matthew 7, which we'll get to in about five weeks, is that He is a giver of good gifts. 
And he has already given us wonderful rewards. We have a reward in Jesus Christ. Through him we have redemption. Through him we have forgiveness of our sins and trespasses. He has given us his spirit who dwells in all who believe in Jesus Christ. He has given us his word. He has given us the gift of faith to believe in his son. He has given us understanding of his will. He has given us a gift of repentance. You see, he has given us good gifts already. And his gifts are not temporary like those of the crowd, but his gifts are eternal. And he has already gone above and beyond rewarding us greatly in Christ. But out of his love, he will continue to reward us because he sees and knows us. I want to be careful that I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that if you put oil on your head and wash your face, that God is going to, this is a magic formula to get you rich or healthy. Because again, the spiritual discipline of fasting is to seek God and His will. And as we do this, He sees us. And he knows us. It's a heart posture. It's coming to a humbleness, knowing that we cannot depend on anything else besides him. So we fast to intentionally seek after him. And there is no greater reward than being able to talk with our Heavenly Father. Oh, even just the ability to approach his throne is a reward in itself. The Westminster Catechism first question asks, what is the chief end of man? And the answer, to glorify him and delight in him forever. What a wonderful reward that is. I'm reminded of an older song. It's called Knowing You, Jesus. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. I'll leave that to Mark. Let me read some of these lyrics. All I once held dear, built my life upon, all this world reveres in wars to own. All I once thought gain, I've counted loss, spent and worthless now compared to this. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best. You are my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you and known as yours, to possess by faith what I could not earn, all-surpassing gift of righteousness. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Oh, to know the power of your risen life, and to know you in your suffering, to become like you in your death, my Lord, so with you to live and never die. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. What beautiful lyrics that get right to the heart 
what Jesus is communicating, that everything we do as we pursue his righteousness, we get to know Jesus. There is no greater reward than knowing him. So if you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I invite you, come talk with me after. We'll have people up here at the cross that you could pray with and we'll be glad to share this wonderful news of how we can know our Heavenly Father. We look, I told you, keep in mind this idea of who's giving the reward. We see in verse 16, the crowds give the reward to the hypocrites. But in verse 18, it's the Father who gives the reward to those who fast in secret. Crowds are impersonal. They don't know you. In fact, you are even deceiving them because you're disfiguring their face. So they're giving you temporary applause that will only last a few seconds while your Heavenly Father who sees you and knows you gives you eternal reward. There's nothing better than receiving a reward from someone who knows you and loves you. I would trade the finest dining, the best vacations, the wealth, just to have a letter from someone I love who knows me who loves me, whether that's my wife, whether that's my kids, a mentor, my parents. There's something special when you get a letter or a reward from someone who knows you and sees you compared to someone impersonal. So let me close with this question. Would you rather receive an applause that only lasts a few seconds from strangers that don't know you for pretending to be something that you're not? Or would you rather have an eternal reward from your Heavenly Father who sees you as you pursue His righteousness? Meadows, may we be men and women who pursue Christ, who seek after Christ not to boast in anything, not to impress our neighbors or our spouses or anyone, but so that we can know God. May we be a church that continues to seek Him, continues to grow in our knowledge of Him. And as we grow in our knowledge of Him, our love for Him will grow and our obedience for Him will grow. And so as disciples of Christ, may we continue to grow in our knowledge of love for and obedience to our God, knowing that this is a great reward to know Him. So Meadows, may we once again be a church who seeks after Him and knows our Heavenly Father, our Creator, our God. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word and the teaching of your son, Jesus Christ. As we practice spiritual disciplines, may we desire to know you more. 
May we not boast and be like the hypocrites, but may we do so in secret, knowing that you are in secret and you are the ones who sees us. Thank you for being our God. May we praise your name forever and ever. Amen.